0: not Going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Good to me. No, no carrots, please. Mobile Monday suit. Monday It was all
1: I hoped it would
2: be. Roger that. Mobile
0: suit. Mobile suit. Monday.
2: Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit!
0: The commander! <laughs> He's lost it!
2: Every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is five! Eros! Suits. You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture.
1: Uh, yes, yes, sir.
2: Uh, I'm the enemy, you idiot. Matilda!
1: Hey guys, welcome back to another mobile episode of Fan Holes Mobile Suit Mondays. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I am joined tonight by my fellow Mobile Suit Enthusiast. Why don't you give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight?
2: Hey everyone, it's Mike, and hey, I thought Dad said he sold vacuum cleaners.
1: <laughs> I'm like, man... Tim ray has a mad server farm in his little secret room doesn't he like that was pretty i'm awesome. surprised
2: yeah like that must be like a soundproof room or something i'm surprised Amro never heard it up until then i'm like
1: i'm like that that room better be like massively air-conditioned you know and and, and Amaro <laughs> needs to keep all his uh his fast food junk out of that room and stuff his, his frau bow meals and stuff leftovers he's like he's like
2: holy shit this is why my porn isn't downloading <laughs> dad you're, you're soaking up all the wi-fi you're, dad you're like, rx shit.
1: is like hogging all the bandwidth so yeah so in, in case you haven't figured it out me and mike are back again to discuss the latest Mobile Suit Gundam, the origin episode, which is episode four, and that is titled Eve of Destiny. And we were were chatting before we got online here and started recording, but pretty much, I I think Mike said he rented the dubbed version when it came out, and then I actually got the Blu-ray sent to me this time. I didn't double dip and rent it and watch it and record a podcast. I actually waited this time around to get my collector's blu-ray set and i got that on monday and this is now a saturday so i'm all set to to discuss and talk about the actual episode but i i think since we're we're probably going to release this pretty currently like my game plan is that this will be released the final week of fanholes releases in december so this will still be relatively current news so i thought maybe we could kind of follow up on our gundam state of the union address and and maybe go over some current stuff that's going on but i I know mike posted a pretty cool video in regards to gundam the origin this morning so i thought maybe i'd throw it over to him and let him tell all the listeners what the good news is regarding future installments of gundam the origin
2: well I think we mentioned it on the la- when the last time when we talked about episode 3 of the origin but yeah, they are yeah. conti- they are continuing like this series or series of movies or whatever you want to call them. It seems like the announcement that came out today was they're doing two more movies which will probably like conclude all like the supplementary material from the the uh, origin manga. I guess they're pulling like a unicorn where it's only going to be like one movie next year and then one movie in 2018. So, like, the next movie's a year away, and they kind of did that with, like, the last two episodes of Unicorn, too, where they were like, okay, we've had two episodes every year, but, you know, for the last two, like, only one next year and one the year after that. Maybe it'll be,
1: like, some of those episodes will be a little longer in length. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping.
2: Like, maybe it'll be, like, an hour 20 or hour 30 minutes or something something each one, but... Yeah, yeah, so I guess
1: I guess officially, in that trailer they call the the one that's supposed to come out in fall of twenty seventeen, the Clash at Loom, and then the 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 one in twenty eighteen is going to be called Rise of the Red Comet. So that's. That's what I sort of jotted down for myself.
2: Yeah, and like, like, and if you haven't read like the origin manga, like that stuff will cover pretty much everything until like the everything that it goes like straight up until like the very first episode of the original like series, okay. basically. Okay. Like so. You,
1: you know what I wanted to ask you before we get into the nitty gritty, and I I could just be absent minded and not remember if I've asked you this or not, but like how like what exactly is the framework in the manga when they go into the backstory like is there ever anything set up where it's like Shar's like come sit on my lap you know minerva zabi i'm gonna tell you a story like is there anything like that or does it just automatically like one volume all of a sudden go into like prehistory like out of nowhere
2: I haven't read it in a while, but I think it just, yeah, kind of skips to this. Like, it just kind of... Or, like, there's there's an end of a story arc, and then it just... The next volume is just, like, you know... But in the past, here's what happened, basically. And then, yeah, there's, like, two or three volumes of this and like as far as the hard covers go like i don't know what the equivalent is and what it was originally released as but as far as the hard covers go i think i have like three volumes of the material that are covered in these movies basically okay
1: okay because like for me i was just thinking of it from my perspective is back when i used to get those origin sort of comic book size like i guess you'd call them kind of thicker you know pamphlets or whatever you know like like that probably covered maybe like the first volume of that little hardcover manga you know or maybe the second volume a little bit like i I don't know how far it went i know there were like 11 volumes that came out before they stopped releasing them but that was pretty clearly you know just retelling the original story yeah. with, with embellishments you know yeah and, and like, I was just, honestly well, yeah.
2: I could be wrong because I haven't read them in years basically but like I, I as far as I remember they just kind of skipped to this <laughs>
1: okay okay no no no. I, I trust you I just I, I just wasn't sure and I I didn't know the facts myself and it was something I was kind of curious about you know especially watching this because I, I guess the reason why I ask is because I think the I, I felt like certain things in this particular segment sort of shifted away at points from Char, and, and I started to wonder, well, from whose perspective are we actually getting these events from? Like, you know, it, it, it's almost like for a while, you know, I'd say in regards to especially the first and second episodes, and, and even to a degree... The third episode even though it's going over historical events in the universal century timeline it is sort of from the perspective of char and sayla you know like but i i think in this there's there's frequently moments where you're like char doesn't show up for like i uh, you know i'm just gonna say yeah. you know say Sel- didn't
2: show up at all yeah yes yeah, sayla's
1: almost 100 percent missing from this except for maybe the the sort of preamble that fills in any you know stragglers to to this party you know the the sort of gym shooter you know fill in the gap exposition stuff and then char's almost gone from it from like I'd say like a quarter of the the film you know so I was kind of like wow this this sort of does get away from that a little bit so that, that I guess that's why I asked the question because I was like I was wondering in the manga you know like th- th- who you know I was like, from whose perspective? Like, should this have been from Char's perspective the whole time, or or did they kind of jump around like this in the manga as well? Is I guess what I was wondering.
2: Yeah, I think it. I think like the the way it jumps around is like the narrator basically says, like, also, like, here's else, what else is happening.
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome.
2: In the distant future, mankind has reached the stars, but the galaxy is troubled. No more colonial rule.
0: Our push for independence is spreading across Mars at an alarming pace. The calamity war is over, but Earth still rules Mars with an iron fist. Oh, Earth Sphere's economy depends on that used-up colony. You little punks are to do exactly as we say. Understand? Pick up the
2: pace, kid.
1: They either smack us for a few laughs, or use us as human shields. Those
2: who oppose them, fight. Time for us to change the game. Let's take them down, you guys. Not like this! Their only hope for independence is a medically enhanced child soldier and a legendary mobile suit called Wolf Gundam. Let's go, Barbatos. Makeup! It can't be. I don't know where you got that thing, but do you really believe that you can take down a craze of Gallarhorn with an old mobile suit like that? That's right. Tsunami is proud to present a new chapter in one of the greatest anime sagas of all time. Gundam. Iron Blooded Orphans. Next Saturday at midnight. Did you pieces of trash forget who you're dealing with? I just wanted to make things clear. We're the ones who are in charge around here now. Got it? Suit up. again. Only Tsunami.
1: Alright, well, I, I think, like I said, we, we we're still kind of interested in, in some some news for people and and what i'm thinking is this will still be fairly current information by the time this podcast is released so it won't be woefully out of date you'll be hearing this at the very tail end of 2016 and this is news about you know upcoming releases in 2017 and 2018 and stuff like that but basically i just jotted down some notes and you know mike feel free to chime in if there's anything i'm getting wrong or or you know if you have anything to add to it but I just kind of wanted to fill people in that normally listen to this show and if you're interested at all it's probably worth noting that you know Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans the the first season that's being dubbed on Toonami like that's almost wrapping up it's almost finished here in America and basically right around this time in Japan you know, Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphan Season 2 has started up, so there's been a couple episodes of that released already, so uh, I'm sure that's something that if you're a fan of Gundam, you, you'd you be looking forward to either of those, whether you're a fan of the dub or just a fan of the the show in general. There's a lot of stuff on the the Right Stuff anime website that's slated for release, so I just thought I'd go down the list real quick and let everybody know. I mean, unless you have a a 4k ultra hd television this probably won't mean too much but the mobile suit gundam thunderbolt that kind of collector set that i got on blu-ray a little while back there's actually going to be a 4k ultra hd blu-ray that's released of that series on december 22nd of this year so that's when that's going to be released on january 3rd if anybody doesn't already have this it's a pretty excellent series and it's only a short six episodes so keep your eyes peeled but if you don't already have Mobile Suit Gundam 0080 War in the Pocket on DVD there's going to be a DVD release of that. Now I I, I would say if there was a Blu-ray release I would probably do a double dip and upgrade to it but it doesn't look like that particular release is getting any kind of HD, you know, Blu-ray kind of conversion. So that's, that's basically where we're at with that. For February 7th, people might be interested to know that even though they've already released Turn A Gundam Collection 1 on DVD, there's going to be the Turn A Gundam Collection 1 on Blu-ray. And I, I thought it just might be worth noticing that they actually, Right Stuff has an upgrade offer for people who bought the original dvd set so i i don't know that i'm i'm really sold on it like part partly i was wondering if maybe i'd just pass along my turn a dvds to to a friend or somebody else or something like that and maybe upgrade to the blu-ray if i wanted or whatever but basically the offer lasts until march 7th 2017 and i think it's basically you mail them back your dvd set and you send them like a money order or a check or something like that for 25 bucks and then you get like i don't know whatever it is 48 eight dollar blu-ray so it's like you pay 25 dollars and you send them back a set that you've spent probably 35 to 40 bucks on so i i I don't know that it adds up but you know i guess if somebody's interested in doing the upgrade and returning the dvd set and then getting the blu-ray set for 25 instead of you know Fifty or whatever they're charging for it. Well, then you know, then that's for you. You could go to rightstuffanime.com/slash/turn-a-upgrade, and then they've got all those. Basically, they've got that form for you to fill out and all the pertinent information there in case anybody's interested. And of course, like I said, this kind of information is still pertinent and relevant by the time you're listening to this podcast. And then, as far as the Right Stuff Anime stuff on the website right now, the last thing on the release slate is also February 7th, 2017. And this involves something that we actually covered on the very first episode of Mobile Suit Mondays, which is the Blu-ray and DVD re-release of Mobile Suit Gundam F91. Now, this, of course, I can convince myself and rationalize getting an upgrade on this fairly easily because... That original Bandai DVD was not anamorphic, so I, I'm sure I probably bitched and moaned about that on the original podcast, but, you know, when I when you stick it in a Blu-ray player and watch it on your HD television set, you know, you, you see the black bars on the sides and the black bars on the top, because it was basically letterboxed, so... This will definitely be a much improved and, and probably desired upgrade. Like, I'm all for upgrading that. And since it's just a single movie, it's probably not going to be super expensive. So I'm sure it'll be fun to see that on Blu-ray, you know, again. As far as other stuff, there there's a bunch of announcements that Nozomi Entertainment's Facebook page has made regarding any of these Right Stuff anime, you know, Blu-ray and DVD releases. There, there's been some video where they showed that they were clearly working on Stardust Memory, and they actually announced that definitely for sure Mobile Suit Gundam 0083, Stardust Memory, and the Afterglow of Xeon will be collected on DVD and Blu-ray. There's gonna be the original Mobile Suit Gundam movie trilogy, which you know I try to mention here and there on episodes of Mobile Suit Gundam, and that's gonna be released on Blu-ray. So that's kind of cool. I don't know. I don't know what kind of language options it's gonna have. I don't know if they're gonna be able to stick the old-school LA dub on that, yeah, or if it's it's it's, like, and they recover that from somewhere. Yeah. Or if it's just gonna be you know subtitled. But either way, you know, seeing that on Blu-ray is probably gonna be pretty cool. And then some other very exciting announcements is that they're, not only will they be re-releasing the 08th MS team on DVD, but it's also going to be on Blu-ray so i know i know i was speculating to you i was kind of hoping maybe some of those specials would be on there as well you know whether yeah, it's like M- miller's report, M- miller's report the, or that, that the
2: the battle in three dimensions yeah, or so, whatever so, it was yeah. yeah so
1: i was kind of hoping like some of those might be on there as extras i mean we, we don't know any of the details but that that is exciting news and then something i've actually never owned because it was super duper freaking expensive to import back in the day on DVD which was MS Igloo and that's going to be released on DVD and Blu-ray and it's basically going to have all the different chapters you know the Hidden One Year War, Apocalypse 0079 and Gravity Front and it's all going to be on one single set so uh, you know you know me I'm I'm in for the Blu-rays on all of that. I mean as far as the announcements that there's going to be more episodes of Gundam the Origin, like, I'm happy about it, but I'm also thinking to myself, man, like, I'm gonna have to spend some money on those collector sets, like, they're, they're really gonna milk it on me, so, but, you know, I, I just figured everybody would be interested in some of that kind of, you know, up-to-date news and stuff like that. I, I don't know if you have anything to add in terms of, like, video games or maybe, you know, figures or models or toys or anything, but, you know, if you do, go for it, Mike.
2: And I'm
0: My name's Audrey... Audrey... Byrne.
2: Stop something. What is it?
0: A war. What's Laplace's box? It's a dark curse that has sentenced the Vist family to serve as its guardian for a hundred years. I don't have that resolve. No. All I know is I need her to need me. Very well. Then you'll need this. To my only desire.
2: The beast of possibility. The symbol of hope. Father...
0: Mother, I'm sorry. I must... I must go! This should be interesting. Let's test the performance of your brand new Gundam. A very nice
2: depend on Laplace's box. Captain! So we battle again.
0: Gundam. This ship can get a whole blast into it any second. I
2: can't
0: take this anymore. Mineva, I mean Audrey. You'll be fine. I give you my word. Why? <laughs> Why wouldn't you listen? No war is justified, <laughs> is it? Venagia Link's here. Unicorn Gundam, taking off. <laughs>
2: I guess as far as, like, Iron-Blooded Orphans goes, like, the first season's gonna, like, conclude in a couple weeks on Toonami, and then they're gonna start airing that Unicorn, like, series like, where they chopped up the movies into, like, a 20, I think it's 22 episode series.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I saw you posted the little poster of that right yeah, yeah
2: so like i think people have said like that maybe shows some confidence that like they can keep a gundam spot like warm on the schedule basically so I, I guess like,
1: like what, what doesn't that add though like i don't know that i thought it was that confident because wasn't it like at like you know two in the morning or something crazy like i yeah i, I remember reading it's like it's confident but not not that confident <laughs>
2: yeah exactly but well i i, I was just like I, I was like happy and surprised that like they're gonna like get to the end of like iron-blooded orphans first season like you know without you know saying doing like the first 13 episodes and then saying like oh the ratings aren't there and then like like spending all the rest of the episodes in a like like marathon or something right and that's right, it yeah yeah, like, I, mean, I, I, I guess that's as good as you can hope for. Yeah, no yeah.
1: No, I mean that that is good news that there's there's going to be a Gundam show presence, and I guess I guess that way, you know, hopefully maybe they keep the enthusiasm, you know, whatever enthusiasm and buzz the first season of Iron Blooded Orphans generated. You know, hopefully maybe they can maintain that by putting on Gundam Unicorn, and then by the time that's done, hopefully they'll be ready to roll out the dub of, you
2: know, season two. Season of two, right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then, I mean, other than that, I forgot if I mentioned it on the last time, but they said that the next, like, Extreme Versus game is going to, like, be internationally released. So it'll probably be on, like, PlayStation 4, like, over here, too. So that's, like, some good news.
1: Yeah, do we, I I think we did talk about it. Do we have any more information on maybe when that's going to be released? No,
2: probably next next year at some point. Like, that's all they've said.
1: All right. Well, that that sounds good. I guess I guess then what we'll do is we'll take a we'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll get into the nitty gritty of Mobile Suit Gundam: The Origin, Episode Four, Eve of Destiny.
0: Space, the final frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast. Give me that Star Trek. It's ongoing mission to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions to boldly go where many have gone before. This is Siskoid from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, here to welcome you to the trailer for Gimme That Star Trek, a companion show to Ryan Daly's Give Me Those Star Wars on the same network, launched to coincide with Star Trek's 50th anniversary. Since Star Trek was one of my first loves, something I covered daily for over three years on Siskoid's blog of geekery, and indeed the reason behind my internet handle, I named myself after my favorite Starfleet captain, Benjamin Sisko. I couldn't help but do this, and thankfully, the larger podcasting community has answered the call. About once a month, I get to sit down with a new guest host to talk about an aspect of Star Trek. Could be any version, any show, any medium, any topic. Some of the things that are already lined up include What if the Cage had gone directly to series with Gene Hendrix? Star Trek's humanistic philosophy with Dr. G, Man of Nerdology? Why the animated series deserves a second look with Aaron Bias? Alien Wedding Ceremonies with Lonely Heart Bas Devak. Characters we ought to have seen more of with David Ace Gutierrez. The New Frontier Novels with the Irredeemable Shag. Star Trek Captain's Hot or Not with the girls. And looking beyond the Klingon cultural shift, Janeway's decision to kill Tuvix, the Star Trek CCG, How Badass Was Sulu, Making Sense of the Prophets, Enterprise's sense of retro design, and of course, news about your favorite franchise as we come closer and closer To the debut of a new Star Trek show. So I hope you'll join me and my guests. And if you're listening to this, perhaps you will become one. As we boldly go where many, yes, have gone before. The show, again, is Give Me That Star Trek. Available from the Fire & Water Podcast Network at fireandwaterpodcasts.com and on iTunes.
1: Alright guys, so we're back and we are here, as promised, to discuss Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin, Episode 4, Eve of Destiny. And, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't think there's any strict and hard format. I just kind of wrote down some notes, you know, sort of in chronological order of what was going on in my brain when I was watching this. I guess, you know, as I'm apt to do, I did watch the dub first and then I ended up watching the Japanese language version today with subtitles just to refresh my memory on the episode, to have it fresh in my mind. I I will say, and and I know we've probably said this before, but, and, you know, it's probably, like, sacrilegious or whatever, but hearing some of those original voice actors voice these guys as young as they're supposed to be, like, still kind of,
2: in the Japanese
1: language version, still kind of throws me off, like... So, well, I think
2: Char is the most yeah. like, gregoriest example. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think it's only Char and Amaro yeah. who have their original yeah. voices. Like, yeah. I think everyone else was recast. Yeah, I, but... I think
1: everyone else was, so it's like... It, 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 I, I think that's part of the problem. Like, it, it, it's like that thing of, like, if, if everybody is drawing, like, a Cubist artwork, then, like, it all looks Cubist, you know what I mean? But it's almost like... Oh well, Amro and Char's voices are the original voice actors, and they're cubist. But then we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do this other art form over here, where you know it's it's Renaissance, and you're like, wait a minute. So you got a cubist painting next to a Renaissance painting, and then it looks all kind of off.
2: You know, when you're yeah. trying to
1: have like conversations
2: I together. Think, I mean, I think. And I always, I never can say his name because it's a it's got it's like m- many Japanese names it's got too many R's in it. Toru Furuya. Yeah, the all, all uh, you know Am- Amuro Ray. Like yeah. I think he does a like a, a serviceable job of sounding like a 16 year old or whatever. But Shuichi Akaida just kind of yeah he sounds like an old man. Yeah. In a, in a, Nineteen-year-old's body, or
1: whatever. yeah, yeah, it's it's a little off-putting. That's that's all I can say about that. But I mean, it's not it's not a damning criticism, and and you only really notice it if you watch the Japanese language version, because I, I think the dub kind of basically alleviates that pretty much yeah
2: like i i love i think his name is keith silverstein like his char like i i I really like he He does a good job of like not only mimicking like ocean groups char but just sounding like like the way i figure char would sound basically yeah
1: yeah, I, i think he does a great job as well
0: uh colonel one more thing i have a little favor to ask If for whatever reason in the future, should I ever be called into service, I'd like very much to be given the opportunity to be trained as a mobile suit pilot. Did you say mobile suit?
2: (sighs) Karma must have blabbed about it. All right, fine. I shall consider your request. My sincerest gratitude, sir.
1: I, I do want to say, like, in some of the opening stuff, I know, you know, in some of the first scenes, there's, like, the big parade with, with Garma Zabi and everything, but then I guess they're, they're dealing with the fallout from, you know, the revolt at the Academy and everything. And I, I did really enjoy the sequence where they have all the Federation guys and you've got, you know, basically the, the, the younger zombies you know kind of arguing back and forth especially gear trying to you know assert his his authority kind of you know throw his weight around but it you know obviously it's not it's not doing too much but then i i really loved when when basically degwin zabi finally comes in and everybody's kind of ground to a halt but i, I thought it was really cool that him and admiral revel have that sort of moment you know like i, I like their interactions and interplay yeah. and stuff i thought that was kind of cool like from not only from a historical perspective but you could see these guys are both sort of titans or historical figures it's like it's like one of those things where you you sort of see where they came from it's like seeing you know, seeing George Washington before he was the president or something like that, you know, or, or seeing John Adams or, or, you know, just like founding fathers of, of, of you know, the Federation and, and Zion and stuff like that. And, you know, kind of like seeing how they, they play off of one another. But I thought that was a pretty cool sequence.
2: Yeah. Like you were saying, yeah, yeah I, I really liked that scene. And I, I think I like Degwin Zabi. Like, I think he's a very interesting character where, you know obviously he was the one who really wanted this like revolution but he kind of it seems like he's kind of like swept aside by his children basically
1: I, it's weird because they 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 have that moment between him and garma and it's it's a very sort of loving and touching moment you know and they they kind of go into cuz you know in the original series it's almost like when when shar you know spoilers you know takes out garma like it's almost like you know, at that point, he's heartbroken, you know, like, he's kind of, he's lost, and sort of out of the game at that point, and, and they kind of set that up here pretty well with that sequence where, you know, even though he's, he's kind of chewing out Dozel, you know, because he was supposed to be the one keeping all these guys in line at the academy and stuff like that, you know, Garma comes in, and, he, he, he's, he's like, oh, I hope dad isn't too mad and all that stuff, but they, you know, basically he kind of has a moment with Garma on his own, and th- you know, it, it's it's almost like there's this twinge of regret like, because he's like, well, all your brothers and sisters are really bloodthirsty, and you actually have sort of a gentle streak in you, and you know, he's like, maybe I should have encouraged you to, you know, do something other than be in the military you know like not not yeah. do this and and you know they have that moment but it, it's weird i guess that's another reason why i asked the question about what the framework of the manga is because i i sort of wish or or kind of hope like that somehow char had seen that scene or been privy to it or something almost like just like him twisting that Dagger even further to get payback you know like where you're like oh like it's like it's cool that we know as the audience but like i almost think it would be cooler if somehow char was privy to some of those private moments somehow because garma's a blabbermouth or because he happened to overhear something or, or be in the next room or you know just something like that just to hammer home the fact that he's he's privy to things that would make the killers of his family suffer even more you know like i, I don't know but that's just the thought i had when i was watching that sequence you know? yeah
2: i get you he probably i think he probably figured char can like piece that together for him to himself like where well basically you know he's we'll we'll see like you know very shortly that like Shar is kind of made the scapegoat of this, like Shar and dozel basically take the fall yeah. for this like yeah. revolution, and but but you know garma it, it escapes completely like unscathed. So if you know Shar had any comment about it, it's probably like you know spoiled daddy's boy, right? Like, you know, right, right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like he he kind of becomes the scapegoat, but he also goes from being a cadet to a private in the the Xeon army and then, you know, he's kind of, what, exiled to Earth, almost, in a way, you know, but but he does kind of, he, he is a smart guy, and he's bright enough to sort of make the request to be involved with mobile suits, and that's something he sort of picked up from Garma, too, and, you know, Dozel's kind of like, oh, okay, Garma talks too much, but yeah, okay, whatever, you can, you know, you, you can participate, just, you know, get out of my hair right now. I, I, I did think that the whole marriage proposal was, like, out of the blue. Like, I, I thought... <laughs> I thought that they were gonna try to... I don't know, ease into it or, or, or kind of sow the seeds for it but not actually show it, you know?
2: I think it would've been... It would've been nice if, like, he had said, would you, like, consider coming to, like, work for me as my, like, you know, like, assistant or something? Or, yeah, or, you know? or
1: even even maybe, like, you know, start with, let's let's go have lunch or let's go have dinner or something or whatever like not just leap into like consider bearing my children have my baby you know like it just seemed like it was like dude whoa and and like it, and it seemed kind of disingenuous where you're like oh well she's worried she's gonna get like you know freaking executed or something you know and it's like that's why she's breathing a sigh of relief oh he just wants me okay whoo, good you know like and i was just kind of like i don't know it, it it was kind of it's still a strange i understand it's part of the backstory and stuff but i i just thought they could have been a little more subtle about basically like everything dozel zombie yeah.
2: it's, it's it's almost like i don't know a weird throwback to a like earlier age or something yeah like... yeah
1: I, I i see what you mean because in the in the the dub he 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 mentions the part about having to fall on his sword but it's almost like this this figurative way you know it's it's a it's you know a western person saying it and and delivering the line and it's not as traditionalized but when you listen to the japanese version he actually uses the word like i i don't remember what the japanese word is but
2: he says harry carrie yeah like, and, and,
1: and and you're just kind of like sitting there going oh well for that instance you know it's, it's it's very traditional so i guess in that sense like it's not necessarily that the the marriage is predestined or preordained or arranged or anything but but maybe in terms of fandom it is you know so it's almost like sort of traditional in that sense i I don't know
2: he's kind of like will you be will you have my baby who will go on to star in several future series like yeah yeah it's like we are predestined to have a a main character of like a series that is like 15 16 years from now Will you, will you, Xenomir, consider bearing my heirs?
1: <sighs> so then, I mean, we, we get more into Char and his time on Earth, and we actually get introduced for the first time in this story to Lala. So, and, and I guess, you, you know what I was going to ask, too, is uh, basically Lala's being carried away by her master, and then there's that guy, Aga, who's the manservant who has, like, the little sort of circular frisbee blade or whatever it is, right? But, like, did they ever say, like, do they say what his name is, that that guy with the turban that's her, her master that's sort of making her use her new type powers for
2: his financial gain maybe i don't remember it though okay. but like he kept calling like aga's name yeah obviously he, he, like yeah, we all remember him, yeah i
1: but... remember him because he was always like aga this aga that but I, I don't remember them ever referring to him as anything other than you know master or something so i i had no idea what the guy's name was or if he had a name basically i'm just gonna refer to him as lala's master no
2: no what i did want to mention to you and this is like like in the original, like, material or, like, supplemental materials, like, I guess even before the origin was written and stuff, and I, I guess they kind of, they're either, like, sort of cleaning this up a little or or I don't know what they're doing, like, cleaning up Char's image or, like... And I, I don't even know if the original intent was supposed to be, like, sinister or whatever. But I think in the original material, it says that Char met, like, Lala in a brothel or something. And ah. she was, like, some underage, like, you know, prostitute okay. or something. But okay. Yeah, but obviously that's not the case here. But, well, yeah, it, it, I, it's,
1: it's almost like, you, you know, he's he's heroic. In, in some sense, you know, at least to her, you know, because she's she's definitely being taken advantage of, you know, she's she's underage, and and you know, there's no insinuation that she's being you know made to perform any sexual favors, but her gifts are being abused, you know, like he he's basically making her, you know, there, there's like a, a a casino that they go to, and and she's basically being made to predict you know, bets on the roulette table, and, and it's almost like she's using her, her new type abilities and everything. And, and, you know, Char, of course, is in exile, and he's actually working on, like, the Jaburo construction site with all these, you know, mobile workers and stuff like that. And they go to this casino, and the one guy's, like, losing his freaking ass at the roulette table. And it, it's funny, it kind of reminded me of my old casino working days. Like, I'm I'm sort of innately... I'm, I'm innately familiar with that environment. I was going to ask you if that like brought back any
2: memories or anything. Yeah, I
1: mean, I mean, it, it kind of reminds, you know, because they do the typical thing, too, where it's like, they, you know, the casino's losing their ass, and then they bring in somebody to switch shit up, you know, so they, they do the dealer shift switch and bring in another person to do the roulette table. And I didn't quite understand why Lala's new type stuff didn't work on the second one as much as it did on the first guy, but basically they switched it up, so then he starts, you know, her her master starts losing bets as well, and stuff like that, but that's where, you know, Char kind of first encounters her and everything, and then, like, you know, the the thing that I thought was kind of cool is, I mean, I, I guess like you said, I mean, this did seem to clean up that whole, you know, Char, Loli Khan, like, whatever his, his rep is, you know, because it's like, she doesn't seem that much younger than him. I mean, if he's if he's a private, you know, and just coming out of the academy, what is he, like, 17 or 18? And she seemed like she was, like,
2: you know, 15. She should be, yeah, like, the same age as Amuro is, so, like, 13 or oh, 14 okay. at this point. I, I, yeah, I, I, so. guess,
1: I guess I took it as, like, you know, she seemed to me to be, like, 15 or 16, and he was, like, you know, 17 or 18. So I was like, ah, oh, it doesn't seem that. You know, I mean, her getting smacked around by this guy in the turban seemed pretty terrible, but not, like you know not like him making friends with her you know what I mean like I kind of like like in some weird way that kind of reminded me of my time at the casino too you know like like kind of you know I've either made friends with or dated girls that you know were kind of you know basically you know new you know to the country and and kind of you know had that same kind of wide-eyed innocence that Lala has where it's like what you mean we can we can scan a photo and fix it like we can do this and that and and it was that funny part where he basically she's trying to ward him off at the docks and, like, she, she's, like, she tries to warn him off, like, oh, you know, don't don't get too close to me. Like, bad things could happen to you. And, and I just love the way he basically just kind of cozies up to her and is like, hey. And he just kind of gets even closer, you know. And so I thought that was kind of cool.
2: Yeah. I, I also like that I was going to say that earlier scene where the, the foreman is talking with his workers. And he was like, you know, oh, the Zeon are asking for their mobile worker back, like, you know, they're a bunch of bastards, and, like, they asked Char about it, and he's like, yeah, I used to work for them, and the zion are <laughs> bastards. Like, well, it's funny, because like... they, they have that double beat, where it's like, he's
1: like, yeah, I used to work for them, and then they're like, <gasps> and then it's like, and then he basically makes everybody at ease by saying, you're right, they are a bunch of fucking assholes, and then everybody's like, ah, okay, we, did, we, we didn't offend anybody, <laughs> like, the Gestapo's not gonna come yeah. and shoot us in the head, or whatever, but... You know but the the I guess just getting back to like him and Lala and and maybe you know some of my personal take on on the whole casino stuff and everything like even even the the notion that like she has this line and that actually reminded me a lot of of working with people at the casino in in those days because she has this line where she says it's better for them meaning her family because they're looking at this you know. Trust up, you know, wrinkled, you know, damaged family photo or whatever. But she says it's better for them to have money than to have me. And like, Char, like, sort of gets an angry look on his face, but not at her or not. He doesn't even really let her know, but you can tell he's kind of unhappy with that. And, And I feel like I've known. I mean, a a lot of the girls, whether I dated them or they were just my friends or whatever it was, like, that was their primary purpose, was I'm here to make money to send it back to my family. You know, and and, and almost that notion that they felt like they were worthless, but if they went off and did this and made, you know, basically what Lala says, and it sort of, it kind of, I don't know kind of lights a fire under your ass or kind of, you know, rubs you the wrong way where it's like, that's ridiculous. Like you are you know, obviously if you, if you like the girl, like Char likes Lala or I liked whoever I was dating at the time or whatever, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, no, no, you're a good, you know, you, you're an important part of the world too. Like you shouldn't sort of denigrate yourself or whatever. It's it's sort of like this almost acceptance or self-loathing or, Something like that, and it, it did kind of. I, I thought it was a good sequence. Like it, it, it sort of yeah. fills you in on on where La starts from, and and where Char is coming from, and why they sort
2: of forge the relationship that they do. Yeah, I very much enjoyed that, and like like I said, I don't even if that the the supplementary material that like tells of their original meeting. Like I don't even. I wouldn't even say like there was supposed to be some kind of sinister intent in that. Like, I would say that Shar was like, you know, looking for Intel or doing like there for another reason right, or whatever. And he right, just right. happened to come across her. But yeah, but I, I guess it's, it's better to have Shar painted in this like more positive, like heroic light. Obviously like he gets a lot more like, you know badass points that way yeah and i i
1: think i think also you know whether he you know confronts lala's master or even you know i guess eventually it, you know it's it's basically him fighting with aga the servant with the the circular bladed frisbee or whatever like I never got the sense that I did in part three with the Academy where it it got too cartoony. Like, you know how, like, we were kind of talking about, we had the critique about how it got kind of ridiculous where it was almost like anime floppish and stuff like that. Like, I mean, some of the expressions on some of the characters who were not, contented get a little cartoony you know like like the, the 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 mobile workers that freak out that all this stuff is going on or even lala's master when he's being manhandled by char he might get a kind of look on his face but it was never so extreme as like you know anime flopping or or that sequence where the guy like i i forget what happened but he like you know flew back into the bushes like almost ridiculously and like I never (laughs) I never got the sense in these that it was like super cartoony so I I did like the confrontation between Char and Lala's master and and especially the fight I think that was probably the best scene you know the 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 fight sequence between Aga and Char because basically when Aga comes back like I guess they the, the, the guys that are after the master blow up his boat and then and then he's forced you know basically Shar brings Lala back with him to get her out of harm's way. but the the master comes back with them to the Jaburo construction site and Aga shows up and at first the the master thinks like, "Oh great, Aga, my friend, you know you're alive. like how great And you realize he's basically sold out to the highest bidder, which is the casino. And you know it's like the casinos there with all these mercenaries, and they basically hired him to come bring the girl back, and he he basically lops off the master's head with his little circular bladed frisbee. That
2: was was pretty. I was going to say that was pretty graphic. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It
1: was. I mean, I I guess maybe it's cartoony in the sense of like you know Tarantino blood spurting, anime blood spurting. I mean, kind of like you know Ninja Scroll esque in the middle of Gundam, which doesn't often happen so there, there's that but I guess I guess they were trying to to me I thought they were trying to make a point on how deadly and dangerous this character was so I, I thought it was cool because Char didn't shit his pants either but they set him up as like a a paramount threat at the same time you know like I, I thought it was good I mean you know and in, in the way that they sort of go into, you know, the first new type experience, I guess, he has with Lala, because it's almost like she does the whole new type ping and kind of warns him that the circular frisbee is coming from behind. and So I thought that was kind of cool, you know? And, and, and then when he goes yeah. into the whole, like, he basically, the, the blade splits the shovel he takes to attack him and and you know i i thought the whole shovel stab thing was nice like you know the way he just you know takes him out and then yeah. and then you know to add insult to injury the ring returns to him but he's already sort of dead by that point so it just punctures his forehead and he's basically taken out and i i i you know i i thought that was was a cool you know sequence and everything i i enjoyed that
2: yeah he gets done in by his own destructo disc just like frieza <laughs>
1: yeah i i i I enjoyed that scene i thought it was a cool moment i i do kind of question like you know like sometimes i i was always thinking like i thought the whole thing with new types was there were people who you know expanded their minds and went to live into space but maybe i'm buying too much into the propaganda of zeon zoom daikun or whatever like because because it's like i'm like well lala clearly was not in space you know but she was already sort of a, a burgeoning, blooming new type, you know? And so. it
2: seems like she's never been displaced. Yeah, yeah, either, I yeah. mean,
1: based on the dialogue, you'd think she, she lived in India with her family, and then she was being carted around by this this guy and trying to earn money to send back to them and she even has the, the lines of dialogue when when char is like hey you want to get out of this chicken shit outfit and she's like where are we going to go to like america to japan and, and he's like no i'm thinking even further away you know and, and obviously he's going to take her to the stars you know take her to see the colonies and all that shit but like given those lines of dialogue you're like clearly she's never been in space before much less america or japan
2: i do i do like i like how sharp like broaches that sub the subject of the new type like experience with lala while he's busy like bulldozing over all those casino (laughs) rooms. he's just like like wow like you know what just happened like okay listen like there was no way i could have known that was coming but i did so what do you think happened? And you hear all these people in the background going like, ah!
0: <laughs> it's like,
1: that's, that's very strange.
2: And then she's like, does this, this Lala's like, does this mean I'm not going to get my photo back? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I told
1: you, we'd scan it.
2: La, Lala's, I uh, don't no, like, like one problem at a
0: time. Like, <laughs> yeah. Lala, if it's true that you really don't care about going back home, why don't we go someplace really far? like how far a place america or japan actually i meant somewhere farther let's go to the stars i i don't
1: think it's any coincidence that the the wikipedia description for this basically ends at this point like basically it's like and then char finds lala at the casino and then it's like they don't talk about the rest of the episode. And I'm like, this is only really like the first 30 minutes of the film. And like, but I guess I, I kind of don't think it's a coincidence. Because this is, this is the point where it drastically sort of shifts and turns away from Char and Lala. Like, because you you go into a lot of the, I guess, history and, and setting up the background for the, the, the one-year war in the Federation. Because you've got Admiral Gop bringing in Temre, and they're, they're basically looking at videos on Dr. Manofsky's mobile suit development, and then, at that point, he kind of reveals to Temre that, you know, his mentor, Manofsky is defecting, which, it's weird, like, I, I guess I have to admit, at first, the first time I watched this, I was a little confused, because I was like, okay, well, he already is with Zeon, isn't he? So, like, I, I kind of wondered, like, because it was like... I, I think I understand it now, but I, I think based on all the various, like, backstories I've heard about Minofsky, I, I sort of was confused the first time I watched it. But basically, to simplify, it seems like Manofsky was on side three and helped Zeon develop, you know, what we have come to know as mobile suits. And now he's kind of getting cold feet with all this Zion shit and he's going to defect to the federation now i mean that's basically the the simplest way i can put it for anybody who's listening but there, there, i did have there, it. it seems like there's a lot more kind of complication and and sort of subtleties to to that than i'm making it out to be i guess
2: yeah, I get you. Like, I, I was kind of double-taking where I was like, wait a minute, wait, so why was, I was like, when did Tem Ray work with him? Like, when, when okay, was he with Zeon?" And then I was like, I guess before they started the revolution, and then, and then I was like, okay, so he's defecting to Anaheim? And like, wait, is Anaheim part of the Federation? Like, wait, like, I, I was... Well, yeah,
1: it's weird, because, like, so. like, Anaheim's supposed to be kind of neutral. Like, they're gonna build suits for whoever's paying for it. But then it's like, so I, I don't think it was viewed as bad that he would be going to Anaheim, but I think if Xeon realized he was actually actively going to start helping the Federation develop mobile suits, that negates their advantage, which is why, basically, they sent mobile suits to kill the creator of mobile suits, or at least recapture the creator. I think, you know, obviously Ron Baral, you know, it, it did not have the intent to, to have... Manofsky killed, but but there were things that he couldn't help. But I guess I mean, I guess we're kind of, you know, jumping around to certain things. I mean, you can you know, you can sort of say your piece on, on you know, a- any of this bit that you want to, but like, the the thing that I noticed was, it's like there seemed to be like three separate histories for Manofsky, basically. There's like the official Gundam canon, which is probably you know, something that Tamino helped write, that's, like, on all the websites and everything, there's what happens here in Gundam The Origin, whether it's the manga or the anime, where he's clearly dead by the end of this, whereas in the official Gundam canon, it's like he lived on Site 3, he helped them develop mobile suits, at some point he goes to Anaheim, which is kind of like this, but then he defects to the Federation... And they almost act like he never really died. Like in official Gundam Canon, which is definitely he's
2: still around. Yeah,
1: and, and that's definitely different from this. And then there's a there's a third history which is considered non canon just like the origin, which is this manga that's called Stampede the Story of Professor Manofsky. And like it's non canon because I think the the dates are all screwed up because I, I think the official canon is supposed to be something like 2045 or something. I don't know if it's like an arbitrary date or something specific, but they decided like 2045 is like UC1, basically. Universal Century, you know, year one. But like in that manga, I guess they decide that 1969 is universal century one because that's the day human beings landed on the moon and like they they go through you know this is just based on a synopsis i read but it, it sounds like Manofsky was at chernobyl when he was like a little boy and then from there it it kind of escalates into him researching and formulating these ideas about, you know, the Monofsky particle and all this stuff, and at the time, the world isn't ready to handle it. So it's like, it almost goes from, like, 1986, and then it goes, like, all the way up to, you know, you know, whatever, you know, Universal Century 0079, which doesn't quite line up with, you know, the official Gundam canon, but it, I guess the way that story ends is Monofsky also defects to the Federation and assists in the building of mobile suits but at some point he is caught by you know zeon or whatever and basically a bunch of you know zakus or something basically end up killing him and it's that same notion of you know i guess what happens in this you know anime where the the creator of the original mobile suit gets kind of killed by his own creation i guess it's supposed to be this i don't know if it's poetic justice or just kind of ironic justice or 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 not justice at all like i I don't know that you know it's like one of those things where it's like i guess it'd be like if albert einstein was blown up by the atom bomb or something like i I don't know how you'd quantify that like i don't know if that's a good thing a bad thing uh, or just kind of like some kind of clever thing like but it, it, it did seem to have that that kind of notion to it
2: yeah it's kind of weird like i i had never really actually like until like i read the manga or you know saw this i had never really thought about it actually where i was just kind of like yeah dr monoski like the monoski particle like helped create mobile suits yeah like i i don't think i ever really gave any thought as to where he was or what he was doing like during the actual war yeah i don't know that i i don't i don't
1: even know that i thought he played such a huge role even in The lead-up to the one-year war like i almost thought the way they spoke his name you know like if you name something after somebody like i i I, I almost kind of thought of it not not quite as like ancient history but like the the notion that you know it it, you know this particle is named after somebody like you know it's like it's like basically like you know, talking about, like, you know, I bet I compared them to Einstein. You know, it's kind of like if we have a conversation about Einstein's theory of relativity, it's one thing if you and I talk about Einstein's theory of relativity and it's 2016, but it's another thing if it's, like, 1945 and we're going, yo, Einstein's theory of relativity, and then we cut to a scene of, like, Einstein, like, shooting the shit, you know, and, and doing stuff. <laughs> you know, like, like it, it, it just, it, I guess it's, like you said, it, it's not something I actually considered before that
2: that einstein
1: guy is all right there he is right now like, you know. <laughs> yeah yeah
2: but i mean you
1: know and again like the, the, i guess this goes back to my i guess my main criticism of this where it kind of gets away from the whole char thing because you've got you've got sequences with you know tem ray coming home and then you get introduced to Amaro and frau bow and they've got you know lady catherine who's really of course casilia zabi in disguise and she's basically there undercover during this whole moon getaway for Manofsky and you know like that's that's one of those things where i i started to take note of like i'm like dude man this is almost like you know 20 minutes where char's like not in this film at all <laughs> you know so i was kind of like i don't know it, it, i think that really threw me for a loop
2: well, yeah, it's, I don't, like, the way they sold these movies, basically, is that it was going to be, like, Char's origin story, mm. but that's never really how it's sold in the manga, yeah. where it's just, yeah. it's just the origins of the war and the prehistory, and it just happens to lead off with Char and, like, Artesia, basically, but... I mean, Sela, like like you, if you saw the trailer for the next one, then you know that Selah has still has more to do in the story, yeah, yeah. like in the pre-war history. But I don't know, like these these parts did not feature her, obviously, at all. So I, I think it, it, it featured other characters who didn't show up in episodes one and two, whether it was because they weren't even born yet or it was just they were too young to, you know, make a difference. Yeah, so. yeah.
1: I guess I guess we can talk about some of those other characters. I mean, do you want to say anything about like Romberald or the Black Tri Stars that are there with Char? You know, because they're the ones that are basically sent in to basically have the quote unquote first mobile suit battle in in the history of the Universal Century. So they they've got those guys there to. You know, face off. I mean, I guess again kind of like the gun tank or the proto-gun tank. I I assume these are proto-gun cannons or whatever but I sort of... I kind of didn't get that either where I'm just like, wait a minute, so there are all these gun cannons that are built half-assed that clearly don't work because you know, the Zaku's basically massacre them all or, you know, whatever. The prototype mobile suits that the Zeon have they basically take out all these ridiculous gun cannons that clearly you know Tim ray is the only one who sort of sees that this isn't going to work but you know it, it, that that too was kind of weird to me like Tim ray was kind of weird this whole time because like i i don't know i guess i'll ask you like did you did you get any kind of sense that like that there was this kind of i know they said Tim ray was minofsky's pupil but like i i almost got the sense like that that there, there's that notion that he almost like kind of lets Manofsky die so he can surpass him or something. Like, did you did you get that sense at all? I
2: don't think so. Okay. Like, I just kind of yeah. Like, I feel like it seemed like he there was this sense that he wanted his own ideas to like proceed and like yeah. Like the obviously he was obsessed with like you know the RX seventy eight project or whatever. And I think. Maybe he wanted, you know, he couldn't do it without Minofsky, but he also, yeah, there was some kind of element of, like, professional jealousy or whatever, but I think, yeah, he, he kind of, like, it, it looks like... I don't know. Well, it kind. I could see how you could play it as like maybe he could have had them swoop down and tried to help Minofsky, but I I don't think there was anything they could do in that situation. Basically, like they couldn't rescue him, and he just kind of had was forced to like kind of watch him die. Yeah. But no, that
1: that's fair. I mean, I I kind of had that thought too. It was just one of those things where it, you do. I I get that it's like the heat of the moment, but there is there was that that portion of me that you know how you kind of like scream at your your podcast, or your Zonophone, or, you know, at the TV screen, or whatever, there was that portion of, like, stop just fucking hovering there, and, like, I mean, if, if you're there to fucking help, help, you know, like, don't just, I mean, I get he was just there to be, like, this observer, and kind of, you know, kind of say, I told you so, when all these gun cannons, you know, don't do the job, but, there was that notion where at that point I was like, "Well, Jesus Christ, dude, try to do something," you know. And, and it's almost like he just kind of sat there, and you know, I I don't know. I I, I there there was that notion where I did kind of feel like maybe he could have done something, but I also I also see what you're saying. Like it's like the heat of the moment, and you're like, "Well, really, realistically, what what could he have done?" You know, like at the same time too. So I I guess I can see both
2: both. They points. would probably have gotten shot down yeah, too yeah, if they got yeah. anywhere closer. No, I was kind of, like, I liked, I really liked that fight scene, but I was kind of disappointed that, like, Char's, like, what I call his theme never popped up at any point in this one, sort of. Like, I thought that was going to start going off when Char started shooting ships down and, you know, down that entire carrier. And, you know, everyone was kind of, the Tri-Stars were, like, blowing up mobile suits and all that. Like, but, you know, it was still pretty badass, and I think they definitely dem- de- demonstrated why like Zeon's mobile suits were so dominant and superior at the beginning because they just had like much better mobility
1: yeah the, the 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 fight sequences I think were were pretty cool and that you even get like the little hint of what is it, like the Black Tri-Stars jet stream move or whatever? Like, there's that one sequence yeah. where the one guy steps on the other guy and stuff. It's, it's like you're you're seeing, like, sort of that, them building the the layers or dropping in that little element of, of fan service or whatever. And I, I, I thought that was pretty well done. I mean, that that to me was a little more subtle and worked than, like, say, like Kai Shiden being, like, the fawns or whatever on, you know, side seven like giving Amro and frabo shit i thought that was a little too much but like like the the whole you know nod to the whole jet stream move i thought was pretty cool
2: yeah i did like kai showing up though like i did i i thought it was funny when amuro like fell asleep in class and he wakes up and he's like you know welcome home and they all laugh at him <laughs> yeah yeah
1: uh, yeah, I mean, th- th- some of that stuff is interesting. I mean, I, I know technically speaking, this is, this is not a tie-in to uh, Fanhole's Christmas month, but, but I thought it was interesting that there is that sequence where Frau Bo asks if Amuro has Christmas plans and everything, and then she does, I, I, I would assume it's a, a traditional Japanese thing, but she basically offers to make Amuro a Christmas cake. You know, so there's that aspect to it. So I, I guess I'll just throw in, you'll probably be hearing this long after Christmas 2016, or at least a couple days after Christmas 2016, but there is a, a periphery, like, very minuscule tie-in to, to Christmas in this. So, I mean, about as strong as the Endless Waltz Christmas connection that we we're trying to sell. <laughs> you know. just
2: happens to be yeah. taking place on yeah, Christmas. yeah, yeah.
1: I don't. You know what else I was going to ask you, too, is, like, in regards to Amuro sort of discovering Temre's, like, server room and, and reading up on all these, you know, secret documents and basically going into his dad's study, I guess, essentially, and, and kind of, you know, basically brushing up on the RX-78, you know, because at this point, Zeon's declared their independence from the Federation and everybody's sort of freaked out because they're basically, you know... The Zeon and Federation are basically going to war, but I guess what I was going to ask you is like, I don't know. I I kind of took it as like there were there's lots of sort of clever clever John Byrne apology bullshit in this to like sort of you know explain why Amuro can pilot a Gundam even though he's like a 16 year old kid, and like I don't I don't know that I necessarily needed that or even liked that part of the story. I mean I I guess it's interesting, but it's like is that is that absolutely necessary like i i don't know like i guess it's it's a matter of like how much prep time did amuro have versus how much is he a new type you know like i guess it comes down to what what side of the you know the the, the
2: cannon you're on or whatever well i think i think it, you know i think he had to have some kind of basic like I mean, they they do kind of hint at that in the first episode of Mobile Suit Gundam that like Amuro had been like, like looking through his dad's files or whatever. So like I I think he had to have some kind of framework basically that like how to operate that thing and like like because he you know he's using we were all yucking it up over he's using like the manual for it in the very first episode right, or right. you know whatever. So like I think I think I was okay with that just because. Uh, I I get, like, you know, people want to say, like, oh, because he he knew how to do it because he was a new type. But, like, I feel like that's, like, new type powers don't really work that way. Like, they don't give you, like, super... They give you increased spatial awareness. Not, like, know how to... Instantly know how to do things, like, basically.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I I guess I see what you're saying. Like,
2: I I don't know. I I, I think
1: maybe I'm, I'm sort of more leaning towards the whole... Like, cause I know you said you kind of enjoyed seeing Kai in in the episode and stuff, but like, I thought I thought for me that leaned a little too too much towards like overdoing it. Like, I, I thought it could have been a little more subtle, I suppose. But but yeah, I mean, I, I, I see what you're no, saying. That's fair.
2: I mean, that's yeah. fair. Yeah.
1: Do you want to talk about the the moment where like Frau has her freaking mini meltdown after giving Amaro lasagna and stuff?
2: jeez the lasagna probably wasn't that good
1: for <laughs> <whole life. laughs> i mean i don't know like there, there's that part of me that feels bad but like I, I i think it's like people deal with that kind of stuff each in their own way and it's like she's trying to go over there and take solace and i don't know doing nice things for Amaro. basically like she's clearly i mean we we've talked about this before but she's she's clearly into him you know, and, and is is going over there, you know, cooking him lasagna and making him cake and all this other stuff. Like, I get it, but there's also that aspect to Amuro where he's, he's a very introverted person, you know? And, and it's almost like that thing where, you know, I felt like there were lots of modern aspects to this that maybe wouldn't have been touched on in the original series. Like, whether it's something simple like... Casilia's phone like vibrating you know like something that just wouldn't have happened in a in a you know anime series from the 70s you know and like i guess i guess what i'm getting at is i feel like amuro doing all this research on his dad's computer in his server room is almost like somebody wanting to get away from sort of the the pain and suffering of the world by escaping into the internet you know like in a weird way like that that's kind of how i took that you know like the, what Amro's doing like he's he he's concerned in his own way but he's he's like got this sort of narrow-minded focus and and he doesn't even realize she's come into the house basically and of course Frau Beau's kind of all butthurt by that point and storms into the room and is you know basically you know she's crying over all this stuff but and, and at that point you know he He's he's very awkward, but I mean he he tries to do the right thing and he's apologizing, you know. And and you know, it, it's kind of a limp comfort, you know. Like I guess, but it I I thought the scene played pretty well, you know, whether it was in the dub or or in the Japanese language. Like I thought the actors, you know, portrayed that fairly well. Yeah,
2: yeah, I like I liked that scene for the most part. Like, and I I guess yeah, they, like they they wanted to like. I don't know, in the first episode of Mobile Sue Gundam, just kind of, I don't know, like, clueless, I guess. But, like, yeah, it seemed, this, it seemed more like he had some kind of, like, social disorder in this, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's... Not, not only is he introverted, but, but he might be kind of oblivious to certain things. And I, I think that's just one of those things where, you know, he, he was fairly oblivious until she had the meltdown. You know, and then at that point, it was like, oh, it, it was so. It was such a scene that, like, even somebody as oblivious, or or maybe like what you're saying, has maybe some kind of social. Uh, shortcomings you know we can't help but notice you know like like i mean i mean he's still very awkward or he's like I'll, I'll eat the lasagna <laughs> like, <laughs> it'll be good you know <laughs> like, like that kind of thing but it is it is kind of funny i mean what what are you gonna do i mean he like you said he's only what like what at this point, he's got to be, what, like, 15 or something? Or 14? Like, because it's, like, 78, 79. Yeah, you know? pretty much, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, again, like, that's another couple minutes that we don't spend on Char at all. But we do, I guess on the final sequence, cut back to Char and Lala. And then they have what I'm going to refer to as, you know, the NBC More You Know Char Red Comet streak. And then we, we cut the credits. So that's that's basically how it wraps up and everything. I mean, I... I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I liked it. I I think I was I I don't know what about this particular episode got me a little more critical, but I think I think because I maybe was missing some of that the the way it was sold is how you put it, you know, missing some of that, you know, char origin kind of selling, I guess if, if that's the easiest way to explain it. I thought that was that was a little lacking, but I guess like you're saying it's it's through no fault of the story you know that what they're the the source material that they're taking it from you know it, it you know if if what you're telling me is to you know be understood like it, it it's still adhering to that source material it just so happens that it doesn't always focus on char and Sela.
2: i liked this episode i thought it was particularly more like action-packed at least too like i thought that mobile suit battle was really exciting and you know the earlier fight that he had with uh, Char had with Aga was really cool. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, Very, very, like, I, I see what you, you're getting at where it, it kind of jumps around and, like, especially it jumps around between characters and it also jumps around between, like, time, yeah, basically, yeah. like months pass, but in between scenes. But I feel like that made it really, like, fast paced.
1: Well, I see what you're saying. Like, they're trying to avoid, like, having Temre have like a really boring space flight it's like they go from the space flight and have them flash back to the the sequence with the the video and then flash forward and and just try to keep the story moving but there 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 is that aspect where if you're not paying attention to all the the credits and even the the little sort of uh, i don't know what you call it but like the, the kanji that basically set up like what's going on and what year it is like some of that stuff can fly by so fast where you're like towards the end i mean it's set up but it does happen at a a clips pace towards the end it's almost like you're watching the end credits of a movie and they're telling you like of a comedy movie and they're telling you like what happened to everybody and it's like oh you know dozel zabi like totally blew up these earth federation special forces ships Da, da 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 da, and it's like Cecilia Zabi like totally took over the moon with all those dumb fucks who she blew up earlier, you know. Da 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 da, da. and it's like and Char's there with Cecilia's forces. Da da, you know. And and oh, and by the way, Amra Ray and Tim Ray, you know RX seventy eight. But up up but up up, you know. And 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 like they they sort of go through that last bit at the end. So it's like okay, we're all on the same page. And it's like they it seemed like they were really rushing to sort of catch you up to 0079 I guess is what it felt like because it seems like now these next couple episodes are going to be set during the one-year war but it's obviously before they reach their impasse you know before they reach their stalemate we're going to get to see like the the battle of loom and, and see maybe how char and who knows maybe johnny ryden or all these other guys got their got all their cred you know you know that kind of stuff
2: yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the next few episodes because, like, I, I really liked the manga portion of it. And, yeah, you get to see, like, how the Black Tri-Stars, like, captured General Rebel and, like, all that stuff that was only mentioned in the series. And it'll, it'll catch us up to that very first scene in the very first episode, basically, where it's the space battle where Char got the name the Red Comet. Cool
1: cool well i i enjoy watching this i always enjoy discussing this with you it's good to bounce off like questions and and also you know my theories and listen to what you have to say about the episodes as well and hear your insights so i'm, I'm glad we got a chance to to get together and do this
2: yeah cool man i like i always enjoy talking about it with you as well and like i, I enjoy like giving you my, my uh sharing my, what I know, like, my knowledge and what I've read, so.
1: Yeah, I I think, I think, like, stuff like this is, is something that I've always appreciated about Gundam, because I think you can, you know, you can sort of share those thoughts, whether it be online with somebody on a forum, or, you know, just have discussions and stuff, and I, I always am interested in, in folks' take on things, because I feel like sometimes, you know, there, there's other ways to, you know, interpret, you know, maybe what what you've interpreted, and and see other people's takes on stuff, and it's you know anyway. I I, I think it 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 expands my enjoyment of of watching shows from this franchise. So I'm I'm glad that uh, we we get a chance to do this every once in a while. All right, so I think that's gonna wrap things up for tonight. If you guys have any comments questions and or concerns about lala being originally found in a brothel you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com if you want to listen to our backlog of episodes if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to the other episodes where we covered the first three episodes of gundam the origin you can find that backlog of episodes on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We also, in addition to Mobile Suit Mondays, we've got other spin-off shows such as Sentai Saturdays, Toku Thursdays, Mobile Suit Mondays, we've got Transformers Tuesdays, and then we've got some new shows like Comic Books, Motherfucker, Do You Read Them?, and of course we have the Fan Holes Podcast Proper. And coming up next year, we're going to actually have another spin off show called Big in Japan, which is going to deal with anime specifically. So look forward to all of those. And of course, you can stream us on Stitcher Radio. We can be found on iTunes. Of course, we greatly appreciate any reviews and feedback we receive there. We're on all kinds of cool social media facebook tumblr twitter instagram we appreciate all like the notes the likes the shares the retweets like all that kind of good stuff so thanks for all that the folks who, who go ahead and do that and enjoy listening and that's going to wrap things up for tonight so until the next time this is going to be derek derek wc signing off
2: this is mike and I think Amaro should disconnect his father's secret room so he can get faster Wi-Fi. I'm like,
1: I ate your cake. I'm sure the lasagna will be good. Stop crying.
2: (laughs) like when his dad was like you had a girl over and you were dressed, dressed in like your that? underwear
0: I... what the
1: fuck's the matter with you that's like total parent stuff where it's like he is kind of like you know what i i'll admit like i get messy sometimes and you know eventually i have to clean shit up but he is he is kind of a fucking slob like i i get what i get yeah, i get where yeah, tim ray's but... coming from
2: yeah there were like bags of garbage on the floor like i was like holy shit dude like throw your garbage i was like please "Please
1: excuse all this fucking bullshit yeah sorry sorry (laughs) he's
2: he's like to frown his dad like i don't need to clean up i have haro to make (laughs) like my my excuses and stuff and haro
1: needs the uh dyson modification or whatever (laughs) to go around the room and
2: clean. honestly yeah like honestly amuro like you couldn't like they they have they have Roombas now. Like you couldn't make Ara with a, like a Roomba option You're or something.
1: You're telling me Hombro couldn't make some cool automated Dyson and cleanup task or something? Yeah. All right.
2: I also liked that the fact that uh, Frau took a moment to like criticize like Temre. Oh yeah, like, yeah. She's yeah. Like, you should really talk to your son. Like, <laughs> not that it's any of my business, but. But he, he, he would appreciate a word from you every once in a while. Other than,
1: get out of your underwear! <laughs> you had a girl over it, you were in your underwear? I think today more parents would be considered that he was in his underwear and he didn't knock her up or something. But
2: <laughs> Yeah. I'm
1: kind of surprised, like, we don't see Hayato. You'd think, I, I guess that was another aspect of my disappointment with seeing kai i was like we get to see fonzie kai but like where the fuck is hayato like shouldn't hayato like be over at Frau's house like baking her christmas cakes too or some <laughs> shit because clearly he was into her too so and they all lived in the same neighborhood right like
2: yeah and like why is hayato like so jealous of amuro if he's not even gonna show, show up, up or yeah, or yeah like what is there to be like, jealous about it's like, oh Amuro, your house is so much messier than mine. I'm so jealous. So jealous.
1: It's like in like, and, and Frows all on your jock, it's like, Well, I was here first
2: <laughs> What would Hayato should have shown up and been like, you know, I'm a judo master. Like, <laughs> let me talk about judo and whatnot.